Hello and welcome to the Playground Podcast. I'm Chris Byrne and I'm here with Richard Gottlieb. Here I am. Yay. Yay. And this is this is this is the uh, the last episodes of our first season. Thank you all for listening and being part of being part of this. Uh, we thought that it would be great to wrap up the decade. So sit back because we got a lot of stuff to cover. We're probably gonna be breaking this up into two parts. Here we go. Well, it would take us all day uh, to go <laughs> over all the hot products of the years, but some of the ones that I think are you know really significant is Singamajigs from 2010 with Mattel, because that was one that they they didn't really think it was going to be a big deal. When I went to the showroom in El Segundo, they go, oh yeah, that's the little thing we picked up over there, and it was huge. We've had we had Skylanders and the whole Toys to Life idea. We had Zoomer Dog. We had Barbie Digital. Of course, one of the biggest things, of course, in 2010 was the launch of the iPad, and that has really that as, as well as the smartphone coming in in 2006. The uh, the iPad has really been instrumental in transforming the business. And, and if we could just stop for a second and talk about that, you know that the, that iPad launch uh, prompted. Uh, Leapfrog and Toys R Us, among others, to to come out with their own tablets. Uh, Leapfrog made a considerable investment, right, in that. And we thought that tablets, children's tablets, were going to be the just a permanent part. And that was the really over the decade the rise and fall of the children's tablet, of the preschool tablet. And, and one of the things that that's different about uh, the technology driven toy industry than than uh, than previous is is you don't give a child a backhoe, a real backhoe. You give them a Tonka truck so they can pretend to be in a back play the backhoe. But an iPad, you can actually give that to a three year old, a real grown up iPad. And and I had arguments with people at Leapfrog back in 2012 when they introduced it, saying, "Well, you know, no parent's ever going to give an expensive, fragile iPad to a kid." And I said, "Well, what about when it's when they get the new iPad?" They said, "Well, no, they won't give it to them." And I said, "Well, what is it's good for? What an hors d'oeuvre tray you can use it, you can use it for?" So, so we saw as the iPad kept evolving, it really negated the 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 hardware uh, market for those, but really allowed for software and companies like Tokaboka and Leapfrog to really maximize the iPad use. Chris, I thought that was really interesting about the uh, the rise and the fall of the iPad, but that right. wasn't the only uh, piece of major technology that we really had thought was going to be a game changer that turned out not to be, and that was uh, what was called Toys to Life or right. Digital Play uh, with the launch in 2011 of Skylanders by Activision. Right, and it came along, and it was it was huge. I mean, and it was it was. There's no denying that this was huge. I mean, it was the largest selling action figure for that year, and for the and for the next year, uh, and it was followed by uh, Disney Infinity. And, and, and for those who are not aware of the product, it, it involved uh, combining an action figure, basically with a video game, right? And that when you placed your character on a platform. It emerged on screen, and uh, you could interact in, kind of in a cool way with another or a different character. Right, and you could train that character. So the data that you, if you got experience points or whatever, that would load into the character. So if I came over to your house and put my uh, character on your platform, it would have all the stuff that I've trained it to do. And so it was pretty pretty elaborate yeah. and pretty amazing. Disney Infinity came along with their whole toy box thing, and that was designed to take that to the entire family. Lego Dimensions came along in 2015, um, and all of these were designed to uh, you know, really do this sort of integration of electronics and action figure play. But ultimately, 
they were, I think they were too complicated. I think they were overly extended. Skylanders kept coming up with more and more different things to buy into, and, and the original ones weren't backwards compatible. So it became a huge investment, and it wasn't where kids wanted to spend their time. And those are the people who decide. Yeah, and so the Walt Disney Company got out of it, uh, right. closed down a huge division. Yep. Uh, Lego got out of it. Uh, so that was another one that that had so much promise and 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 didn't um, end up going anywhere. I, I noticed also in 2011, uh, La La Loopsie. Uh, Chris, if I'm wrong, I think this is one of Isaac, Larry, and MGA's his first big post Bratz successes. Is that correct? It certainly was, and it was it was based on sort of the idea of a rag doll, and it was just adorable. It had a different name before it was called La La Loopsie, uh, but but it looked like a rag doll, and and it was one of the ones where where MGA first got very aggressive at developing content around the. Uh, around the, the dolls, and as we'll talk about, and MGA has been at the forefront of a lot of innovations that have lasted throughout the, the decade. Absolutely. Um, 2012, uh, we have Doc McStuffins. Right. Um, it was From a racial standpoint, it was pretty significant. It was a little girl, and she was an African-American, right. and she was a doctor. She was a doctor, Doc McStuffins, just like her, her mom, and, and her, her secret... A uh, weapon was that she could talk to the animals, or the animals could talk to her. Very Doctor Doolittle, um, and of course, that's a magical fantasy play for kids. And they, they have devolved, developed toys over the next several years. Some of them became like toys of the toy of the year. So the Doc McStuffins Get Better Checkup Center was the toy of the year uh, in twenty fourteen for the twenty thirteen year. Chris, and looking at the list here, uh, I'm I'm spying here that in two thousand ten, uh, Mattel launched Monster High. And then in uh, 2013, they launched Ever After High. Right. And um, both of those um, kind of engaged in uh, almost uh, horror story uh, monsters. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit what those were about? Well, Monster High was was the, the high school where the kids of the famous monsters went. So Dracula. I went to that high school. <laughs> 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 yeah, me too. Uh, so, so Dracula was the daughter of Dracula. Um, Laguna Blue was the daughter of the sea monster. Mm-hmm. So that was their whole sort of idea. And, and the idea was that Freaky is fabulous. And it was sort of the beginning of what's, what's fast forward to creatable world today was that, that uh, beauty and social acceptance doesn't have to fit into one prescribed pattern, which is, I think, one of the things that they did. And then they came along later and they introduced Ever After High, which was the children of the great fairy tale creatures, our fairy tale characters. And Monster High was a phenomenal hit. I mean, it was in the billions of dollars that they did, a global hit uh, with that. But it, it ultimately didn't last. But you know, that's the arc of the toy industry. I mean, they got they got five years out of that, so that's pretty good for a toy brand. Um, you know, that doesn't that doesn't become like a Barbie for sixty years. Uh, Chris, two thousand fourteen, there was just a lot going on. Uh, the the Frozen uh, movie release and the Frozen toys came out. Uh, it was we both know it was a huge hit. It was a huge hit. It was actually the Frozen Frozen sort of started this thing called the Frozen Effect. Uh, that I talk about a lot because the movie came out in fall of 2013. It was really not until 2014 when the home video and the streaming and all of that came out that the toys really took off. And then, of course, everybody was singing Let It Go. Would you like me to sing that for you? Later. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Let it go, Chris. I will. Uh, Uh, But it was also the year of Shopkins um, that really started what we see as the collectible and blind bag craze that that has come along. Moose, Moose did that. You know, they had done... 
um, the, the trash pack, and they had done um, all kinds of other collectibles. And this was really the beginning of the emergence of Moose as an independent uh, toy company that's become a, a huge. Well, you know, in any other year, just having uh, Frozen and Shopkins would have been quite a year. But that was also the year that the uh, Paw Patrol toys launched. Right, the the you know, and and I think Paw Patrol really changed the whole nature of launching toys based on television and based on entertainment because Paw Patrol, the the show had come out in 2013, but parents were were where are we getting toys? We want toys. Our kids love this show. They want toys. So it wasn't really until uh, 2014 that the toys came out and they've been huge and and it's you know the the pups and Rubble and Ryder and all of them. Uh, you know, all of them uh, have been a huge success, and it's been really hard for any other preschool entertainment property to challenge them over the past five years. Is there a cat in Paw Patrol? There's no cat in Adventure Bay. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, there may be there may be a cat, but the cat will the cat will need to be rescued because <laughs> this is the it, this is the show. Every show is the same. It's all about some kind of rescue thing, and they you know I mean, but they have they have they have um, yeah. Okay. And now. 2015, uh, one of the biggest hits that year was Pie Face. And what does that say about 2015? Well, I think 2015 was the beginning, and Pie Face was the beginning of this sort of second golden age of games that, yes. that, that we have seen, uh, skill and action games. You have to go back to the to the 60s with Marvin Glass and things like Mousetrap and Crazy Clock and Kerplunk and Hands Down and booby trap and all of those games that were huge, huge, huge for the uh, younger baby boomers. And now we have a whole new line of games, really Pie Face. Pie Face drove that. And the funny thing about Pie Face is Hasbro had owned that. Um, They let it go. And then somebody in, I think, Great Britain relaunched it uh, or, or Australia. It became successful. Hasbro reacquired it and turned it around in the market in something like six weeks. I mean, that was that is classic toy industry uh, yeah. story. I uh, also noticed in 2015, hoverboards uh, launched, and that looked really good until they started catching on fire. Uh, <laughs> I don't think hoverboards has ever quite recovered from that, but I still see them out there. Yeah, you still see them out there. I mean, I think the thing about hoverboards was that you you had a couple of really great companies that were bringing them out at like, that were really able to, to, uh, accommodate somebody like you or me. But, but the problem was that when you have a a lesser motor and you put too much strain on it and, you know, it's going to burst into, into flame if you do it. (laughs) Not that we like that in the toy business. Um, but it's like, it, you know, it was misused. And, and as when we talked to Steve Preserve, um, you know, there were, there were counterfeits or there were, there were inferior products pushed put into uh, the market. I think there was a problem with the batteries uh, was, too. Yeah. yeah, because you're putting too much weight on it, putting too much demand on it. The motor overheats and it and it it burns. 2016 um, saw the, the launch of LOL Surprise from MGA and Hatchimals uh, from Spin right. Master. And I I just like to take a second, Chris, and and just uh, make a couple a little comment about this. You know, I I think it's really interesting the rise of these sort of surprise toys where the toy in itself is a surprise kind of runs in the same genre as the blind packs. Right. And, and, and here's my, my theory on it, Chris, I, is that when I was a kid uh, and I would ask for a particular toy, I never got it. 
I don't know if my, I mean, and I think a lot of us in those days, we didn't have a voice. Right. We no, kids. we did not. Uh, so we were always surprised, not always in a good way, uh, <laughs> when we opened our presents. Uh, I think today kids have so much sway uh, that they know what they're going to get. Mm-hmm. They've asked for it, and they, they maybe even have helped buy it. So the element of surprise has gone out of gift giving, that when I, when I rip the gift wrap off the package, I don't have that moment where I'm surprised. Right. By so that I think what LOL Surprise and Hatchmills and these sorts of products are feeding is this natural human desire to be delighted. Oh, I think I think that's definitely part of it. I also think it it reflects the unboxing trend, and that allows kids kids who are watching unboxing videos on on uh, YouTube, which actually started with the in the electronics area, where people would get a new phone and they would show you what was in the box and all of that, translated into into huge uh, huge numbers on YouTube. Um, but I also think so. It was the beginning of making opening the toy part of the play. And the thing about LOL Surprise was you peeled down seven layers, you got labels, you got stickers, you got little accessories, and finally you got down to the to the ball in the center, opened it up, and there was an adorable little doll in there. And I think that that's something that we've seen a lot of in the ensuing four years is really sort of, you know, opening the box and getting into it as part of the play. You know, Chris, what strikes me is unlike the tablets and unlike Toys to Life, uh, the surprise toys are very much still with us, right? Uh, and uh, I think maybe for a while. So that has been a successful, not just product launch, but a really a successful category of product. I think so, and I think I think one of the things that makes it a little bit different than technology is that this is classic play. These are things that that you know we have kids who are still going through the same development processes that they went through 60, 70, 80 years ago. The species doesn't evolve that fast. So you overwhelm them with technology. They don't manage that as well as if you uh, give them something simple that they can understand. I'm going to open a blind bag and see what I get. I'm going to peel open a LOL surprise and see what I get. That's classic play. Doesn't really demand that much, and it's not that expensive. Now, in 2017, though, we did see a major piece of technology, and that's the Nintendo Switch. And some of you traditional toy people may be saying, well, Nintendo Switch is not a toy. But let me tell you, we're all in the play business, and Nintendo Switch cannibalized a lot of traditional toy dollars. And Nintendo Switch is still very much out there and very successful. Right, and I think one of the things about Nintendo Switch is it really does reflect uh, the change in the video game uh, as part of family entertainment. And when video games first came out in the late 70s and, and, and 80s home video games, it was the kids who played that in the basement on the old TV that was relegated to the basement. And it was a Pong game, or it was then it was Nintendo. But now the kids who grew up playing that, they say, I'm not going to the basement anymore. This is going to be front and center in the living room. And the, the, the cool thing about Nintendo Switch was always that you could take the, you could take the unit out of the cradle and be playing on the road. You can portability, yeah. It's portability. And and so this year they've also for 2019 they introduced Switch Lite, which is a handheld that kind of replaces or will replace the 3DS, uh, allows a lot of software to, to happen with that. The other one that, that came out in 2017 was was um, was Anki and Anki Drive. And that company, very, very elegant, high-tech, $199, really targeted to the adult male. Racing? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. That was the racing. That was the cars that read the 
you know, the cars could read the track uh, and they had optical, they had optical technology in them that allowed them to read the track and really, really high end, elegant stuff. Uh, the challenge for them ultimately was that, you know, obviously fans and hobbyists loved it, but for kids, you know, a basic Hot Wheels track did the job just as well. And is Anki, I don't think Anki's in business anymore. They are not in business anymore. They had another another item I loved called Cosmo, which was the robot that came, uh, I, I'm, I think, probably the next year in, in 18. Uh, beautiful, beautiful robot, but again... Overly engineered for a toy, $179. Very hard for a parent to buy a you know, $179 toy. Which is interesting because that was another piece of technology play uh, that, that ultimately was so exciting right? And, and just didn't seem to have the legs. Fingerlings, I, I'm going to ask you, sir. <laughs> uh, was Fingerlings uh, the uh, great-grandchild of uh, Singamajigs? Uh, wasn't there some, doesn't it look like they could have come from the same genetics? Well, well, they, they might have been. I, I'm not sure where the species of evolution branched off, but but you know what they had in common was silly, easy to play, you know, handheld. The thing about fingerlings, especially the monkeys, was they were super silly. You put them on your finger and I could go around and stick it in your face, go, look at my monkey, look at my monkey. <laughs> um, you know, and again, that's that's really how kids play and the technology was excellent and uh, just it was it was enough technology it wasn't overly engineered it was technology that really worked for kids tell me about uh, ozobot came out that same year ozobot was another another one that that design, was designed to read as you drew it had optical technology in it that was this was the big year I like that oh it was it was really cool it was really cool the challenge was that you know what's the what's the repeat play What's the what's going to keep the kid engaged? Once it it was kind of like some of those Sphero things, like the BB-8, awesome product. But once 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 it does what it's going to do, what's keeping me coming back to that play experience? And you you look at that, and you look at things like uh, the games, or 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 even LOL Surprise, or any of the dolls, where the kid keeps coming back and reinventing something. When the play experience is all always completely manufactured, it's hard to come back and have it be new. And finally, in, in 2019, I, I think um, uh, this was the launch of the Ryan's World Toys. Right. And I think Ryan is very emblematic of a, uh, a 2019 kind of phenomena, which is the, the kid influencer. Right. And, uh, of course, Ryan uh, got in trouble with the uh, Federal Trade Commission uh recently uh and so i think this whole area of influencers is coming into some question now well i think i think i think that the thing about ryan is and and the the question was was he was he uh delineating what was paid and what was organic and i think that that that's that's fair game and you know the kids who watch ryan's stuff on youtube um they're not really sophisticated enough to know, you know, what the disclosures, what the disclosures are. So I think there was a little bit of confusion there, but I, but I think it'll be resolved. Ryan is much more known now for his Nickelodeon show, um, which is designed for little kids. And it's actually, if you're a little kid, it's great. If you're an adult and you are planning to watch the crown and you're sitting down <laughs> and watching Ryan's world, uh, you might be a little disappointed. Uh, but <laughs> that said, it's, you know, it's, he has become a personality, and he's one of the first kid personalities developed through YouTube, 
and he's got his own toy line, and these toys are very, very basic. Well, I, I just want a final comment on influencers, and I'm not just talking about kid influencers, but we're coming to a time here where there does seem to be some wear and tear on the influencer market because there is some cynicism starting to set in right. about whether these people are really recommending products they use and love uh, or are they really doing this because somebody's paying them a whole lot of money to promote a, a particular product and because part of the charm i think initially of influencers it felt kind of honest right right it was it was supposed to be organic and, and you know one of the things that's so interesting and i know when we talk about trends we'll, we'll talk about this more but the whole social media marketing thing i've spent the past year talking to people and trying to figure out does this really move the needle on marketing? Are there metrics? Is there measurement to say <laughs> to say that this really moves the needle on marketing? And I've actually wondered whether or not you you know a child watches Ryan or another influencer unbox a toy and play with it. Do they then have they've had the experience with the toy? Do they do they then need really? Does it make them want it? Correct. So it's been quite a decade. Uh, we had some some really hot toys that. Uh, went on to some success in in, in, extra, in extra innings, so right. to speak, <laughs> and uh, some that really disappointed us right. uh, in terms of longevity. So, nobody, no telling what the next ten years are going to bring. Well, I, th- I think the next ten years will take. will will definitely do more of the same. I think we've seen you know a lot of launches. And one of the things that I do think uh, we're seeing is a, is a lot more uh, carefulness or a lot more caution about what to introduce and changing the marketing mixes and I know we're going to talk we're going to talk a little bit more about that but um you know I think that uh, we haven't even touched on the the hundreds of thousands of toys that came out in this decade just some just some highlights and we're going to list everyone right we're going to list everyone <laughs> but I but I do want to share this with everybody baby shark do 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 baby shark people <laughs> hate <laughs> me when <laughs> I do that <laughs> when I do that uh but again another another you know entertainment that came out of left field and probably the biggest story of 2019 the biggest non-toy story has been baby yoda you know somebody right. somebody but- was totally asleep at the switch when they didn't look at the mandalorian uh that was coming on disney and think Oh, he's so cute. We got to make a toy. Well, let's take a break and then come back and talk about it. We will be back. So uh, thanks for listening to part one. We will be back with part two. And I guess we're going to have to do 10 parts for the, to hit the decade. But we'll be, we will be back. <laughs> just with, kidding, everybody. Just kidding. We'll be back with more of this in just a minute. <laughs> 